You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This is Mickey, and it's just going to be me tonight. Megan couldn't make it, so um, I do have a guest joining me later on this episode, but before we get started, um, I'll still share with you guys my highs and lows and, um, yeah, get the episode started. So let's see. My high this week, um, we went to a birthday party, which I never thought I'd be so excited to go to a five-year-old's birthday party, but um, we got to go visit some friends. It's the same group of friends that we just saw like a week or so ago. So our first like friend group that we've hung out with outside of our own household, um, but still within like our little bubble. But it was a lot of fun. We got to stay super late again um, and just like barbecue and the kids got to play and just feel, you know, kind of back to normal for the day. So um, that was really nice. It, I, I mean, like I've, I think I I won't be taking these kind of events for granted anymore because there's like, we've gone without them for so long that now it's so special to get to be able to like hang out with other people. So really cherishing these simple little moments that we're getting to spend with people now. And I think we'll be definitely more appreciative. Um, my low uh, is just... <laughs> I mean, kind of a blanket situation, but um, Governor Inslee just announced that um, masks are pretty much um, required now anytime you're out in public when you're not able to um, socially distance from people. So in all stores and um, all that kind of thing, which I really kind of thought was already, I think it was just a strong recommendation, but now it's like a very serious, could be a misdemeanor kind of thing. I think businesses can get fined or shut down even if they're not requiring masks. So it's getting to be a bigger deal. So, I mean, hopefully that's going to encourage more people to just put on a dang mask when you leave the house. And I mean, but I have a feeling the people that are really strongly against it are going to remain strongly against it. But um, yeah, but for me, it's just... I don't know. It's like we are come like after that high of the birthday party, that's like kind of coming back down to reality that this virus is not gone. We're not in the clear. It's not all safe to go out and about. So it's just kind of a bummer to like bring it back down and just who knows how long that this is going to be going on. So, um, But enough about me. Um, Let's go ahead and get our guest on for tonight. I'm really, really excited to talk to her. Um, I think you guys will hopefully really like her too and learn some things. Um, Our guest for this episode is the host of the That's Not Proper podcast. This mama of seven is breaking norms and traditions on sex, parenting, religion, female empowerment, relationships, and more. She says she's just a regular mom who got fed up after many years of trying to please everyone else. And she is now using her voice to find herself and inspire us. So please welcome to the show, Corey Asuncion. Hi, Corey. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. 
Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, I gave a brief introduction, but why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about yourself? Oh, gosh. Okay. So my name is Corey Asuncion. I um, have been with my partner for almost 26 years. We have seven children. I gave birth to every single one of them. I always get asked if uh, it was religious reasons. And no, apparently I'm just fertile. Um, I'm a grandmother of four. Uh, most of my life, I was a, uh, a stay-at-home mom. And about five years, actually about seven years ago, I kind of went back into the workforce-ish. I had a my own um, house cleaning business, and now I am a live-in caregiver. Um, and so I work from home. So like this whole coronavirus thing hasn't done much to me. And then in addition to that, uh, September 2019, I started my podcast, That's Not Proper. And that's the general bar ballpark idea of me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. So I wanted to start a podcast years and years ago, um, but life, you know, kind of put that on hold, but also fear. There's just, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but starting a podcast when you're an indie podcaster and you're doing it on your, you know, every dime that goes into that has come out of my pocket. Um, and have having been always a one income family, extra is not something that's actually a thing for us. And so I put it off because of that, but I also put it off because I was just chicken shit. So, you know, it was, <laughs> wasn't something I was going to do. I literally set up my whole, you know, mic and my boom and my pop filter and all this other stuff. And it, and I attached to my desk near my computer and it sat there for like, I don't know, five months. I like took pictures of it and shared it and everything. And then I never did anything. <laughs> so finally one day I was like, screw it. If I don't do this right now, um, I'll never do it. And so I did. And it, the podcast evolved from really um, being sick of being told how to live my life. Uh, I had been told the most of my life, I was somewhat outspoken and opinionated, but still with, withheld a lot, especially as I got older and had kids. But growing up and as I got older, a lot of it had to do with my sense of humor or my questioning of things. I would get regularly told, Corey, that's not proper. And so it's kind of mocking what everybody said to me for most of my life. And I just talk about absolutely everything that, you know, other people don't want to talk about. I talk about sex and relationship and parenting and feminism and empowerment of women and doing it different than uh, status quo and encouraging other people, especially women, to step outside of those boxes that society has created for us. I love it. I, I'm can so appreciate that Megan and I are so big on just keeping it real and all the messy sides with motherhood or work or just being a woman um we are yeah, all about the nitty-gritty things that no one's really comfortable talking about or that aren't necessarily proper or ladylike and we can just throw those words right out the window because right. what does that even mean exactly oh, so um, there's so many like proper ways and expectations on us on how to do like parenthood. Um, what are some of the best ways you've found to break these molds and kind of change your mindset? The biggest thing I think was, <laughs> there's a term and I've said this before um, on, a, on my podcast, but 
my partner has this term that he says, and he's been saying it for years. And actually, it was uh, wait, can I use bad words on your podcast? You sure can. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. yeah. We don't shy away. <laughs> it was fucking annoying when he would say these things, and he would say rest, which to me at the time was the equivalent of telling someone to relax or calm down, which as far as I'm concerned, never in the history of ever would a woman calm down when you tell her to relax. Okay. So he would say, just rest, just rest. And so it took me a few years to figure out um, what he meant and a lot of telling him to shut up, you know, it was making me crazy. (laughs) But, you know, once I put a little bit of my pride aside and we, you know, we really communicated um, what he meant by that. And what he meant by that was take a moment. It doesn't mean take a nap necessarily. Mm -hmm. Take a moment to consider, consider what you're thinking, consider what you're doing, consider why you're doing these things. And so some initially some of that had to do with um, whatever, just day to day stuff. You know, why why am I doing the laundry when I've got seven kids, uh, six of whom are still at home and they're old? You know, my kids range from 12 years old to 28 years old. So it's not like they can't do the laundry. And um, but then it evolved from there and realizing that a lot of my thoughts, my behaviors Um, that things that I was doing with regards to raising my children were based on things that I had learned and had been ingrained in me from society, um, from my family, from, you know, the area I lived in. Uh, We used to be really big in the church. We were youth leaders. And so there was a lot of uh, religion in there. And I knew that I didn't agree with it all. But I was afraid as to how I could get out of that. And so the biggest first initial step was resting. Okay, is what I'm doing right now, does this have to do with something I want to do and that I have chosen and I have considered? Or am I doing this because the whole fucking world's told me to? And so I feel like I have to because of the box I'm in right now. And so that's where it began at first um, for me. Um, you know, the other thing was that when I started having children, one of the first things that my partner and I had said to each other was, I don't want a child like everybody else. And that's not to say everybody else's, you know, kids are little shits or anything like that. It's just, you know, I didn't (laughs) want, I didn't want robots, you know, I didn't want my kids to look and act and behave like everybody else. And I wanted my children to be kind and empathetic and compassionate because for me that was more valuable than a highly intelligent wealthy kid that got into the best colleges and schools um but was still you know an asshole I didn't want that and so I had to put you know take a look at how I was raising my kids and was it fitting in line with these uh, values, in a sense, that we had initially established when we first started having children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> that's right. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, we had um, a guest on a couple episodes ago uh, that was talking about parenting and kind of breaking the mold and the cycle of how we were raised versus how we raise our kids and to sit back and, and really look at those traits that you want to instill in your children and the kind of people that you want them to grow up to be and just how important that is and how having a goal like that 
and something to like work towards in your parenting, how important that is. So I really like that you said that. Yeah, it's, you know, I recently, it's so funny. I, I, I've had conversations this past week with like three different people and they keep using this phrase core values or values in general. And what they had said to me was it's important, you know, to write these things down and discuss them with your, your partner. And it's not that I didn't necessarily, we didn't, haven't had these conversations, but we, you know, I might've called them something different. But what I realized in, you know, talking with these people, this is things, these conversations I've had with myself or with my partner have to do with values. But what I really wish had been said to me when I had my first kid at 18 years old was decide what you want to do. And that might change every day. It doesn't matter though, as long as what you're doing is what you want to do, but establish those values, those goals, and they can be short, little tiny, you know, short lived ones. I, you know, my goal today might be that I'd like it if, you know, we changed six diapers instead of eight, you know, whatever. Yeah. It just, you know, <laughs> set these, you know, set these, that might not be realistic, but you know what I but, mean? You know, set these mm -hmm. goals or values um, and then be uncompromising in them and don't allow out the outside world, the outside of your, uh, your circle, whether that be your partner or your children, uh, that's your circle to tell you how you should be doing these, these values or what your values, uh, and goals should be and writing them down. I don't know if it's cause I'm old. But there's a thing for me, there's a thing about handwriting things down. It's like it, it ingrains it in me more. Mm -hmm. And I'll even, you know, still put post ups, even the, you know, post post ups, post it's um, even though I've got a phone, I've got a computer, we've got tablets, I've got all those things. But when I can walk past my uh, calendar that, that I have up and I see a post it, it's just it's like it drills it into me a little bit more. And so I encourage people to, you know, write these things down. And it also reminds you, you know, I'm not compromising on these things. And it's hard at first, especially when you have done things for everyone else. And so now you're doing what is best for you. It feels weird. And you're going to get flack for it, especially if they're bizarre, you know, and bizarre is totally okay. If your family wants to be bizarre, be bizarre. It's your family. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, like I said, we, we have done things very different. I can't remember even if I mentioned I was a homeschool parent. I am a whole, I was, I'm still doing it. <laughs> um, uh, all, uh, in fact, like my fifth one graduated from high school this year. I have, I have two more left and then I'm done with this mm -hmm. homeschool thing. Um, but that in and of itself was. A little bit common in the circles we were in early on, but we have gotten so much flack about that. And it was one of those things that we weren't going to compromise on. Now, I don't think that my value of homeschooling my children is something for everybody else. In fact, I can tell you people where I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. You, you know, <laughs> this is no, it's you know, it's it's a lot of work, but it, it it's um, and a, a lot of determination and, uh, you know, you really have to be able to not compromise in that. And so 
that was one thing that was, you know, we started that when my oldest, who is now 28, we started that with her when she was two and a half years old. And we got a lot of flack with regards to it. And I have to say, I'm constantly, it's reinforced for me and for my family um, that we did that and we're thankful that we had chosen to, uh, you know, homeschool my kids. But I had to every day wake up and go, you're not going to be compromised in this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. I have a just finished first grade and pre-K kid and just having to homeschool them for the past few months is not for the faint of heart. So props to you. That is really impressive. You know, it's funny. Honestly, I, people have asked me over the years, well, what's the hardest grade? And I'm like, um, under kindergarten because (laughs) they can't read. Um, and so you, you know, it's not like when my kids got older, the way we did homeschooling, it, it, it evolved over the years. But uh, initially, we were trying to be really structured and organized, and we were under an umbrella school and paid for all this stuff and had, you know, books up the Wahoo all over the place. And um, it's when they are under the age of five or not reading yet, good God. I mean, you just, you're hanging over the shoulder the whole time, reading each sentence, and then they forget, and then you've got to come back. But whereas when they're older, they can read a lot more, and so then it it changes how things go for you. It makes it a little bit easier, at least. And then when classes got hard, I just passed them off to their father, so okay. I didn't have to do it. <laughs> That's why I did the same thing. Oh, it's thing. math? Like... <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. He was like sitting out there teaching them about pie the other just for fun because he likes math. And I'm like, mm, come to me when you guys are ready to bake a pie. But otherwise, we're not going to like I'm still using my fingers sometimes. So, yeah. yeah, he's this he's like the he's he'll tell you he's not, um, but he's highly intelligent. And so I'm good in like English and, you know, grammar and phonetics and those kinds of things writing a paper, uh, you know, whatever, clean toilet. But, you know, he's good at the math stuff and, like, remembering crazy dates in history. And I, so those were, I would be like, when dad gets home from work, you can ask him those things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. So besides, um, I mean, homeschooling, because that's a pretty, I feel like that's a pretty big um, kind of mindset change from the, you know, typical, like, put your kids in public school, whatever. Um, Are there other areas of parenting that you think that you've done that are kind of like breaking the mold? Yes. Um, A few things. One of the biggest things is talking to my kids about sex. And it took me a while to get there because I was not raised to talk to my parents about sex. Other than, especially being raised in the church and things like that, it basically was, don't have, this was the conversation, don't have sex, you're going to go to hell, and that's it, you know? Yeah. And so, a month after I graduated school, and um, thought for sure I was going to hell. Um, And so with my kids now, oh, I'm really open. Um, Mm -hmm. I will talk to them, you know, you know, make sure you're using protection, make sure you're using lube, make sure there's consent. Um, you know, all, and we talk about consent a lot. It's very important to me. Um, I had some things occur to me when I was a little girl. And then when I was older with regards to, um, assault and, 
you know, it's important to me. I didn't talk about these things before, but it's important to me now to relay these things, especially to my daughters, because, you know, I don't want to have a bias, but fact of the matter, fact of the matter is, it is more common for a woman to be sexually assaulted. Um, so we talk about, you know, consent and what that means. Um, I talk to them about making sure, you know, I don't care if you have 10 partners, make sure that whatever you're doing is what you want to do. And by the way, you're not going to hell because you had sex. So, um, you know, talking about sex was not something that I did for many years. Like I said, we were in the church. Sex was a no-no. I mean, honestly, sex was a no-no when, with regards to even parents, unless we were, you know, having kids, which we did just fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, pleasure in sex is okay. Um, I talked to my age appropriate, by the way, I should clarify. Of course. That. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, I, I, my, my older kids, I, you know, I'm talking to my daughters. I'm like, Hey man, your, uh, clitoris has 8,000 nerves. God put it there for a reason. And the only thing that thing is good for is pleasure. So make sure you're aware of that when you're doing anything. So I have, they're probably sick of hearing me talk about that stuff now. Um, <laughs> But I think with my kids, when they were younger, there were some things I didn't do and wish I had. And a lot of that was um, teaching them from a young age that their bodies are their bodies, nobody else's, mm -hmm. um, that giving them proper names for, you know, it is a penis, it is a vagina, these are your testicles, things like that. And part of the reason for that is when they're small and something happens to them and let's say they tell a teacher or someone else that's not necessarily you they might not know that their boo-boo is you know their vagina or their vulva and so making sure they know that those words is really important um so that they understand consent and making sure that your children when they're young know that you know um checking out their own bodies is okay there's nothing wrong with that you know being discreet about it's a good idea. We don't need, you know, Jimmy in the middle of the living room masturbating or anything like that. But, you know, having teaching them for a young from a young age that these things are normal because I think in society we've um especially my generation, it it was always that these things were abnormal as if you were a deviant um and that sex there was no pleasure especially for women. Uh you know, there wasn't I was raised to be under the understanding that um, sex was for men. And so, you know, it was his job to get in there, you know, whatever, get a good heart on, have an ejaculation, and then my job was done. Um, there was no pleasure, you know, for me. So those are some heavy duty things, but I think that there's ways to talk about it when they're little, letting them know that their bodies are their bodies and that it's okay to ask you questions. And so now my kids, the older ones, they ask me about stuff all the time. I mean, I get pulled in, Hey, you know, this happened with my boyfriend or girlfriend and, you know, is this normal and what should we do? And I'm thankful that they are comfortable to have those conversations with me. I think that's probably one of the biggest, the biggest things that I have done different than a lot of parents don't necessarily do because it's an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you weren't raised that way, then you don't even know how to really you know, bridge that topic. That's something that I'm really big on to with my kids. And like I said, they're only five and seven, but um, we're big on calling 
body parts what they are. So I remember, you know, and it's kind of funny when they're like two and three running around saying penis and vagina, but it's not like they're dirty words. It's a body part. Like get over it. Take, you know, take that away, the power away from it. And the consent thing, my kids are very, very close and they, they wrestle a lot. They play and tickle and whatever. I'm really trying to teach them from now if, you know, if your brother says stop, you need to stop. If your sister says stop, you need to say stop. You need to mean it when you say it. And when someone says it to you, you need to stop and just, I mean, assume that they're being serious whether they are or not. You need to listen to each other about your bodies. That's your personal property. And I feel like that's such an important thing to, that I think you don't even really think about necessarily. I'm just really trying to make an effort when no, I little. agree. I yes. agree. It is. There's an Instagram page called, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Sex Positive Families. And she has amazing information. And she does like webinars and things like that. She has a lot of books that are great for, that she shares that are really great for kids. But um, she is constantly doing some amazing things with regards to keeping lines of communication open with your children starting from a young age and going even um, forward and older. And um, it's amazing. I wish I had known about sex positive families, you know, when I was a young mom, because it would have, it would have really made a difference. I, I know when I, the first time I saw the page, I was like, Oh, cause I think there was like pictures of different vaginas or something like that. And I <laughs> like drawn, you know, and yeah. I was like, Oh, would I share, would I show this to my son? You know, because it was, it was something new I was learning and, um, but she's, it's just done in a way that is honest and, um, free of any judgment. And, uh, I know that she helps to cultivate conversations with families and children as well. And I, I really suggest people checking out sex positive families on Instagram. She's on Facebook, I believe as well, but, se- and there's a website, okay, um, yeah. as well. well- We'll have to include that um, that link and information in our um, episode details so that people can refer back to it because that's now that sounds like a really good a good group to get into. <laughs> that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let's see. What about? I mean, are there any other areas you think besides? Yes, um, and this is something I'm working on right now. I mean, there's a million different things. Um, yeah. that that i have i, I mean i we could probably be here for 100 days but the some of the big one of the big things is mom guilt and saying i'm sorry and so i feel like sometimes these two intersect um but first my personal opinion and again you know i'm not some therapist but i have been a mom for a really long time so i i have some experience under my belt with regards mm-hmm. to things that I've seen for myself and our family that works and doesn't work. Um, Mom guilt is a regular thing that I think absolutely every mother struggles with. But what I think it has to go back to, what it has to do with is going back to um, the idea of doing what everybody else expects you to do. And so when you see, you know, Susie across the street and Sally, you know, at work or whatever. And they they're doing all of these things that you maybe not be doing with your children or with your home or with your partner. Um, you start to feel some, some guilt there. Or when your kids, maybe you can't get them those fancy shoes that they want or the, you know, the karate class that they want to go to, you, you get mom guilt. And 
I think it's important to realize where that's manifesting itself from. And what I've noticed with regards to myself is a lot of time that guilt comes from this idea that I have somehow, you know, paid into that I have to do all these things because this is what being a mom looks like. Not necessarily to myself, but to everybody else. And so I, I think it's important. This, this is another area where going back to the idea of rest. And when you feel the mom guilt, feel mom guilt. Uh, God, I can't say the word today. Mom guilt. Um, looking back and going, why do I feel guilt? Um, we have a saying in our house that guilt is a liar. Guilt isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, so when you say mom guilt, what am I feeling right now? Let's take a moment. Let's assess the situation. And where is this coming from? Do I feel this way because I have for some reason, um, trained myself into believing that this is how it is because everybody else is doing it? Or is this a real thing? Like, Hey, you know what? I should feel a little bit bothered by this or a little bit bad about this. But I think a lot of times mom guilt really has to do with, um, Fulfilling needs of others and feeling like you need to compare yourself um, to other people versus actually what is best for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is with regards to that, what I have noticed is when I allow mom guilt to take over, I have a depression sets in because mm. you believe it, you think it's real. And you buy into it and then it becomes all consuming. And so you start to forget the idea of even considering, is this real? And so then you, you, you know, you, then you have this pattern of depression and it's important. So I highly suggest, you know, when you first feel that stop yourself, rest for a moment, hold on a second, where is this coming from? Because this is, this doesn't feel right. Cause guilt is a liar. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is something I'm still working on, but I, I firmly believe in it. I just kind of suck at it, but I'm still working on it. (laughs) And it's saying, I'm sorry. Uh, I have said, I'm sorry, you know, for everything my entire life. And unfortunately, what I have noticed is my kids do it, especially one of my daughters, one of my daughters saying, I'm sorry for everything. You know, she might, Mm -hmm. she could be like a hundred miles away. Somebody bumps into somebody else and she'll say she's sorry, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh shit, I, I did that. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I taught her that. And so it's something that I'm working on now is not saying I'm sorry. Now, Obviously, you know, if you've hit someone with your car, <laughs> you should probably apologize yeah. for that. Right. Um, but that's not what I mean. You know, there's other things that when you're late to a meeting, instead of saying, I'm sorry, you say, thank you for being patient. You know, and you find these little areas where you start to consciously consider where you say, I'm sorry. And you start to recognize, I'm saying that all the time. And I don't, I'm not sorry. So why am I saying it? Well, I'm saying it because I've been trained for some reason to believe that I have to say I'm sorry for everything, for my existence in in some aspects. You don't have to. So find other ways. Like I said, you know, one example was, you know, thank you for being patient. I appreciate your patience, you know, things like that. Uh, My my partner just recently, I, I had done that. I said, I'm sorry. And he actually constantly tells me, stop saying sorry. So I like yelled out, <laughs> well, I'm not sorry then, you know, <laughs> never mind anymore. So, ooh, I keep <laughs> Gosh, I, there is no better reflection of yourself than seeing 
things that you do in your children. I I have the exact same problem. I'm just a very like timid non, you know, I don't like confrontation. Like I apologize for everything and I'm sure it's super annoying. Um, but I've noticed my kids are doing that a lot too. My daughter will come down like after she's supposed to be in bed and like, cause she's sweaty and wants me to put her hair up or something. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm, tr- I'm very like, what? I'm like, don't apologize for that. You don't need to apologize for asking me to help you with something. That's not. And so I'm like thinking in my head, like, gosh, do I really do this that often? And I'm, yeah, so I'm trying to work on that. I really like the, the being thankful instead of apologizing mm-hmm. way. And I, it I, creates a presence too. Uh, I did, I, I spoke with someone not that long ago and she actually is um, someone who wrote a book uh, that where she interviewed a lot of like, um, oh, for crying out loud, uh, embassy officials and things mm-hmm. like that. So she's talking to like some big name people helping run countries and stuff like that. And she said that one thing that they noticed was in, for example, meetings that men never apologized for nothing, you know, (laughs) knock over the water, walk, you know, come in an hour late, never apologize. But women were. And so they started discussing, hey, you know what, as women um, in these situations when we're constantly saying we're sorry for things that ne- we don't necessarily need to be sorry for, we can, you know, say thank you for your patience. Like I had said, um, that it actually changed the entire tone because it was there was an aspect to it that made them look as though they were weaker. Unfortunately, um, they were heard more, and I I do think it makes a difference. I know that, like you said, you you you're timid, and I am frequently referred to as an extrovert. I'm actually not. Um, I call myself an ambivert. I really um, can become very extroverted, but really I like it if everybody just leaves me alone. And if I go to a party and I don't really know anyone, I will be in the corner hiding out. You know, maybe I'll be cooking so I don't have to interact necessarily. And there's an aspect of someone who's like that that feels, I think, because I know I feel this. I watch my daughter and I think that she feels this sometimes where you almost feel as though you have to you have to apologize for your existence and you're in the way. And no, take charge of you in that moment, because that's do not apologize for yourself. Do not apologize for your existence. Um, you are of great value. You are of great worth and um, you are a necessity. So don't apologize don't apologize for it. Yep. Yeah. yeah I like that. Um, so what about, um, so the <laughs> being able to like kind of take charge of yourself, be confident in taking up those spaces. Um, a lot of times those women that are confident in themselves and able to, you know, stop apologizing and just, you know, be, um, are kind of considered like the loud women. Mm-hmm. the loud moms mm-hmm. um what do you have you had experience with that uh i have always <laughs> growing up every report card um for almost all of my life from kindergarten till i graduated said Corey's too loud so i've always been considered loud um but as far as like being loud um in your stand in who you are in what your values are and how you raising your how you raise your family 
Um, when I say that be loud in those things, what I mean is that you are immovable. And that's hard sometimes because when you're someone who is a people pleaser, it is very, it feels very much like stepping outside of your comfort zone. Mm. But being loud doesn't necessarily mean being verbally loud. Um, I mean, you can say, you know, thank you for, you know, being patient, like we said. Mm -hmm. But being loud to me also means that I cannot be moved. You're not going to walk all over me. So that may mean when someone calls and says, say, for example, hey, we want you to come on over here with the kids. And maybe you don't want to freaking go. But because of the way you've always done things, you say, oh, okay, we'll be there. Then you hang up the phone and you tell your, your, you know, your husband, your partner, your boyfriend, whatever, I really don't want to go. But, you know, I couldn't tell, I couldn't say that, you know. Yeah. Yes, you can. And it's, it's those tiny little steps of just saying no and no explanation. That's the other thing. That's the killer is learning to not say I'm sorry, being able to confidently say, no, thank you. You know, I appreciate the offer and then not give a uh, explanation because I know I'm notorious for that too. And I'm really working on that. You don't have to explain to a soul on the planet why you have chosen to do things the way you do. And if you actually look at it from like a very literal standpoint, it's actually less words. You know, if you're someone <laughs> right. who's, who's, who's a little bit of an introvert, who's timid and shy, all you have to say is no, no, thank you. No, we won't be able to make it. And you, you know, you will find that people might stare at you because they're waiting for the response because we're conditioned. And I don't know if it's across the world, but I know in this country, everybody's conditioned to, you know, hear the the reason. It's nobody's business. So when I say it's less words, I'm like, well, if you're an introvert, you actually get to talk less. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it, yeah, it's, but it is important. And, and, you know, a lot of this, this isn't stuff that happens overnight. Like I said, there's things that I'm still working on, but making these small little changes has drastically affected my life, my relationship with my partner, um, you know, I, I used to say yes all the time to things without even talking to him. Cause I, you know, I didn't want to upset somebody else. Why in the heck I wasn't worried about upsetting him. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I, and then I get home and tell him, and then, you know, you have these arguments or these, you know, conversations where there's tension. And when you can come together as a couple and say, we're just, we're, no, we're not doing that. And there's no need to explain it. You guys can have your own conversations at home or whatever, but these little steps taking Little baby steps, just, you know, that first don't say I'm sorry. The first time you can catch yourself and not say it. Well, one, give yourself a, like a little inner party. I don't know. Get a Twinkie. I don't <laughs> just, you know, uh, you know, you know, do something for yourself in that moment because that is it is actually a victory when you recognize these things that you need to overcome and these boxes that society has created for you that you need to step outside of. You need to revel in the victory of the baby steps because each of those tiny little baby steps, first of all, they'll start getting easier and then you can take larger steps. But then there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel for all this that you're you're working towards. So reward yourself along the way. But just know it's not going to happen overnight. But each of those baby steps is truly a victory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I, I have made it my um 33 years um, with, you know, being very apologetic, trying not to take up too much space, that whole thing. But I have found 
that now that I'm a mom, I am kind of put in more positions where I'm needed to, I have to speak up when things get Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So either, you know, if it's a parenting choice that we've made that I need to kind of stand up for with family members that might not understand or just, you know, this is the way this needs to be or standing up for my children, even against other kids. Like, like I said, I'm very not confrontational, but I'm starting to, I mean, I'm kind of required to start building up that confidence to be able to Mm -hmm. talk about things that might be uncomfortable that I normally would never think of speaking up for, but I have to defend my kids now. Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, your children um, start to take on the traits that they see in you. And like I said, you know, I notice these things in my kids and I always laugh and I feel bad for my oldest one. She was like the freaking guinea pig of the family. You know, it was like all the shitty things that we could do wrong. She probably had done to her. And uh, as far as, you know, all the errors we made and, and it's funny, like she'll see the way we do things with some of her siblings now. And she's like, wait a second. Okay. (laughs) That would have never flown when I was at home. And I'm like, yeah, things change. I'm not the same, you know, I'm not the same parent anymore, but especially when I started seeing how it was affecting my children, um, or I was realizing shit, I don't want them to be feeling like this when they're the same age as me, 47 years old and having to look back on their life and go, Oh, good God, I've got to reverse this shit, you know, and you can't reverse it. So at least now you're taking the steps towards at least making the changes that are vastly important so that going forward, at least maybe I can make an effect on my my four grandsons. You know, I have four grandsons. So, you know, I can maybe I can do something with them. And um, so that's my hope. You know, you, you can't change the past, but you can step into something new and change the future. Yeah. Well, I can really appreciate your podcast, everything you had to say, our space. I know they're with social media. It's so much easier to be able to connect with like-minded communities. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping the more we talk about these things and kind of build up all of our confidence and realizing that it's okay to not parent the way our parents did. It's okay to right. step outside the box how we feel. So hopefully, you know, the next generation of women will be a lot stronger than us and, and it won't be such a struggle. We can, we can hope. Well, and like you said, you know, what we were saying, they take on your traits. If they see mom is, is, is strong and mom doesn't, being strong doesn't have to be flamboyantly loud, but Mm -hmm. if mom is set and strong and, and you see mom and dad, uh, you know, if you have both parents in the house working together as a team, they're going to take on those traits, just like they would take on your negative traits. You know, they're going to take on those traits and they're going to appreciate those things and they're going to carry them through, to the next generations and perpetuate that on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I Mm -hmm. (laughs) love this conversation. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we get into it? Oh gosh. It'll probably be one of those things where I'll remember something later (laughs) and go, damn it. (laughs) I, oh, you know, the only other thing I think I had said to you was, and this, I don't, God, we could probably talk about this, but I am the type of person that never stops moving. And I have realized that moving constantly as a mother or as a wife um, does not equal productivity. So ladies, so ladies, isn't that from a song? (laughs) Anyhow, um, don't think that just because you've taken a break and you rested and you laid around and you had a tequila today and you painted your toes and you let the laundry go, 
that you are not a productive, um, beneficial mom uh, or wife or partner. The deal is, is we need those times. And sometimes when we're constantly moving, we're actually working against ourselves. And so I encourage uh, moms and women to take time out and not be bothered with the mom guilt that comes from laying around and doing absolutely nothing. Because it's really, really important, I think, for our health and our well-being. It's important that our children see that we can take a break and we don't have to constantly be running around. And not only that, I don't know if it's like the whole, um, what is it, the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. If you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off, trying to touch down on absolutely every little thing, thinking that you're being productive when you're really getting nothing done. Um, So take time out for you and do not feel bad I said, I don't know, tequila, vodka, whatever, coffee, you know, you don't have to be a boozer, but you know, just, you know, (laughs) take these times out and it's okay. Give yourself that permission. There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for that, Corey. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing as a mom (laughs) of seven, you've probably got some real fun stories. Um, We like (laughs) to always share um, a hot mess moment at the ends of our episodes do you have one that you would like to share i do gosh i have several um being a mom of seven your whole life feels like a hot mess moment sometimes especially (laughs) when they're little um but i have this one time i my youngest judah uh he was about four he's 12 now and he had gone upstairs shoved the toilet brush into uh, the upstairs toilet we had three toilets in this house at the time shoved the to- uh, toilet brush in the upstairs toilet, busted the fuzzy, whatever, bristly part off into the toilet, and it got sucked <gasps> back into the toilet. Okay, not a good day, and dad wasn't <laughs> home. I didn't know what had happened, actually, for a while. I couldn't figure out. Then I kept seeing this little, it looked like an, an enemy sticking its head out of the, you know, the hole of the toilet. I was trying <laughs> to reach in there, grab it. So anyhow, couldn't use that toilet. I shut the toilet, put a note on it says, you know, don't go in this toilet or mom's going to make you drink out of it, that kind of a thing. <laughs> and so then, um, well, he was forward, couldn't read. He went right back up in there and took a crap in that toilet. Okay. So now we have a clogged toilet. Um, I don't know what's in there. I think well, now I had figured out what was in there and now Judah has crapped in the toilet. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So that, so I ended up having to duct tape the toilet shut. Later on that very same day, that same child ran down, went downstairs. And by the way, this makes it sound like I wasn't in the house or something. I literally, I promise you, I was home. <laughs> no idea where I was. I was probably with one another one of the million children that I gave her to. But anyhow, so downstairs, I go downstairs and I hear Judah and he's like, mommy, mommy. You know, couldn't, he had locked himself inside of the bathroom, you know, the, the little doorknob locks. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to explain to him, okay, Judah, see, it was one of those doorknob locks that you had to like push the knob in and turn. It wasn't just oh, a little, okay. a little, okay. Well, he could not figure it out. And so then all of a sudden he's like, mommy, the water's coming and the water, the toilet had overflowed. No. This is a whole other toilet. Oh it was God. flowing out into the hallway. He's <gasps> locked inside the bathroom. We're all trying to figure out how to get him out of there. Mommy. It's overflowing. And so it comes out and it's filling up the hallway in the kitchen in my laundry room because they were all kind of like near each other. 
And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to get out of there? So I'm like Bobby pins and all these things trying to unlock the door. Can't do it. So I'm calling out to him because I had heard him starting to cry. He's starting to panic. Mommy, there's more water. There's more water. You know, the kid probably thought he was going to drown at this point, but you know, he obviously wasn't, but he's just seeing all this water. come. Well, all of a sudden his voice is muffled and I cannot figure out why his voice is muffled. So I'm starting to panic. Like, what has this kid done? Is his head in the toilet? I don't know what's happening. So I ended up having to go get a chisel and a hammer to chisel and hammer the doorknob off the door. Oh, by the way, we rent this house. And so this oh. is just oh, not, you know, no. this, I don't even own this home. Okay. So I had to chisel the knob off of the door. I finally bust through and he had climbed into the linen closet that was inside of the bathroom oh. and was hiding from the water in there. That's why his voice oh. was muffled. So that was my hot mess moment um, when Judah, my son, oh. was four years old. Oh, my. God. That just <laughs> kept getting worse and worse. It was, and worse. It was epic. It was epic. So oh. Now I can laugh about it. There was zero funny about it oh. that day, though. Yeah. Oh no, I know, I'm sure. Oh my god. Did yeah. did you guys get I mean the damage taken care of? Yes, kind of? We did get it all taken care of. But I had to wait till daddy got home. There wasn't much I could do, you know. Yeah. Until he got thankfully we had three we had three bathrooms and three toilets. So yeah. we had at least one toilet to use in the interim. <laughs> gosh oh my gosh that's cruel <laughs> that's good yeah. now I'm like my kids better not think about doing anything like that I would not I don't thought- know if it's a boy thing or what but my sons all of them were my daughters just did not give me hassle well I have one that's super sassy but and she's still sassy to this day but my sons were just I used to tell my partner they're like caged <laughs> and get out of this house you know and my daughters just didn't do that with me yeah oh my gosh oh well thank you so much for sharing that I think I really needed that laugh tonight um okay well now we just have a quick fun little rapid fire question game okay no, no pressure um yeah I so, suck yeah. at rapid fire things so we'll see how I do <laughs> oh, <that's okay. laughs> it's not timed or anything so okay good because I totally oh. lose so okay <laughs> Okay, so um, what type of milk do you put in your cereal? Almond milk. Um, what's the capital of New York? New York? Manhattan. <laughs> I, I had to Google it, and it's Albany, okay. and I never would have guessed that. <laughs> Sorry, New York. That's okay. Um, did you Albany? Ever... No. <laughs> ah, that's a tough one. Yeah. I was like, I thought I knew this, but apparently I didn't. Um, did you ever believe in Santa Claus? Uh, yes, up until I was about probably five. Yeah. Okay. Are dogs people? No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to Africa? No. Would you eat a day old taquito from 7-Eleven? Absolutely. <laughs> what? what's the most number of hours you've watched tv in a single day oh good god 12 we were on, <laughs> we were doing netflix and not move all day long oh. yeah oh yeah in, in there no judgment here um, <laughs> do you instagram your food sometimes yes i just instagrammed some cucumbers the other day that i grew <laughs> oh um what sound does a seal make? 
Oh god, I'm gonna. Mm. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think that was really close. I totally oh, believe it. it. I, I I think I my partner here. He does a really good one, but he's not in the room. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather lose all of your hair or gain fifty percent more hair? Oh God, I need more hair. I have like four, four hairs. <laughs> yes. So bring bring it up to a even six. Okay. Yeah. Um, and last one: If there's a spider in your house, do you kill it or set it free? Oh God. I'm probably gonna kill it because one of my daughters screams when she sees them. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Most of the time I'm killing them, although they've been killing the the mosquitoes around here lately, so I've been leaving them, but usually I kill them. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a bug killer. Oh, yeah. No, same here, except now my son, for some reason, loves slugs and snails. I don't know why. And my mother-in-law is a big gardener, so she taught my daughter, the older one, to stomp on them. Anytime she's oh. like... We hate snails, gotta get rid of And my son now loves them and he gets so upset. So now we just have all these slugs, all, and we have like acres. We just have all these slugs around our house and no one's allowed to touch them. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Oh. I'm not a bug girl, so it's been an adjustment, but hopefully he grows out of that soon. Yeah, oh, we, uh, we used to live in Hawaii and the, when the snails there are different. They're, I don't know if you can see my hands, but they're yeah. huge, like that big, the oh, shells, my. and they kind of come to a point like this. And I didn't know that when we first moved there. My partner it was born and raised in Hawaii. And uh, when we first moved there, I woke up the first morning after we got there, and there was these huge snails all over the grass. I was like, what the hell are these things? And, ah. uh, you know, they all thought I was crazy because I didn't know that. <laughs> they're huge. They're, and, I mean, they're, they don't move. They, you know, they're, they move like a snail. So, but it was very bizarre to see that. Well, and I feel like after a certain size, it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a fish-sized snail still creepy. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. This is true. Thank you for playing with me. Mm -hmm. um, so, what's next for you? Well, I am just working my booty off on this podcast. Um, I'm doing lots of interviews and things like that. I am really trying to focus on um, content and my website for the podcast. And um, I'm really, really enjoying it. So right now my focus is, uh, that's not proper and working on that and hoping I could build some things off of that for the future for my listeners as well. Yeah. Awesome. So where can people find you? Where, where can they find um, your podcast? Do you have like social media for it? I, it's real easy. My website is that's not proper.com. My Facebook is That's Not Proper. My Instagram is That's Not Proper. My Twitter is That's Not Proper. Very easy. Perfect. And um, I'm on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of. If I'm not there, let me know and I'll get there. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, everyone go check out That's Not Proper. I know Megan and I are really excited to listen to it, too. I started a couple of an episode a little bit ago today. Um, and, yeah, I'm really excited. You've got some really cool topics going on there so Yay, thank you so yeah so thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me tonight and sharing your wealth of experience i really appreciate <laughs> it <laughs>
Thank you so much for having me on. I had a wonderful time. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay stay bossy. bossy.